0: I'm going to ask Matt to, uh, to come forward now and um, give us part one of uh, a vision, bearing in mind those promises that have just been made. Oh, not just been made. I've always been there, but we've been reminded of them. Thank you. Matt.
1: Good morning, everyone. Morning. Good morning, Matt. Have I turned this on now? <coughs> there we go. That should be on now. Is that right? Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, it's, as always, a joy to be here today and with all of us as our church family. And uh, even though Gary introduced it as part one, it's kind of part two as well, in a way Um, because last week Gary introduced our Headingham Vision and Values uh, the leaflet that's over here and spoke about uh, some of that as he said last week there's so much in there really you could speak for weeks and weeks on end maybe people will uh, about some of the things that are in there of course just doing a little advert you can catch up on that by listening uh, to the podcast you can find that at any good podcast app as they will say (laughs) on TV um, just search Heading of Baptist and you can find all the messages uh, that come from here. Okay, so I've not used this before. Let's see. It works. So this is our vision statement as a church, and it's here on that leaflet. You'll get used to seeing it around the place. Growing together as God's family, light and heartbeat in our community. And this is a more, perhaps, a more visual way of understanding that vision statement. Um, Apologies if it's too small for those of you at the back, Uh, but it's the same thing just in a graphic. And you'll start to see it around, I think, uh, on some of our literature and some of the printed stuff, and hopefully in the people that you see here at Church as well. Well, we're going to think about this. A bit more this morning and what it means for us, how we live this out. But before we dive into that, I want to ask you a question, a popular, perhaps a familiar one. What on earth are we here? For? Or to put it another way, why have we been created? Why have we chosen to gather together here this morning? Is there any point to life? Or to use the phrase from week one of the Alpha Course, those of you that have done that. Is there more to life than this? Well, I think we need to look at that in two ways, really. We need to ask ourselves, what do we exist for as individuals? And we need to ask ourselves as a church, as a community of believers, why do we exist? Well, hopefully for us, we've got the Bible, which contains all the answers that we need to know. And I want to look at two verses together, here we are, these two verses that I think sum up the reason for all of that, the answer to all those questions. The first one there from Romans 11, everything comes from God alone, everything lives by his power, and everything is for his glory. That couldn't be uh, more unequivocal, could it really? Everything is for his glory. If you have a question as to why you're here, why you exist, what life is all about, it's for his glory. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 14, uh, 16, chapter verse 4 says, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. So if you look at those two verses together, everything's been made for his purposes, and what is his purpose? His glory. So that. Leads us naturally to the question, really, well, what is glory? What is his glory? Well, in summary, it's who God is. It's the very essence of his nature. It's the weight of his importance, if you like, the radiance of his splendor, the demonstration of his power, the atmosphere of his presence. Those are all ways that we might choose to describe God's glory. It's the expression of his goodness, and all his other intrinsic, eternal qualities too. Where do we find the glory of God? Well, in many ways, we just need to look around. We need to look at each other. We need to look into our world. Everything created, remember there in Romans, everything created by God reflects his glory in some way, and we can see that everywhere if we just choose to open our eyes to it. From the smallest microscopic form of life to the vast Milky Way, from sunsets and stars to storms and seasons and carbon cows. God's glory is in all of it. Creation reveals our Creator's glory. In nature, we only need to look to learn that God is powerful, that He enjoys variety, that He loves beauty he's organized, that he's wise and creative. We read in Psalm 19, don't we, that the heavens declare the glory of God. It's not just talking about things in a metaphorical way, it means literally too. The heavens, God's creation declares his glory. And that needs to include you and I too. As you read the Bible, you see God revealing his glory to people in different ways. He revealed it first of all, of course, in the Garden of Eden, where he walked with Adam and Eve. Then to Moses, then in the tabernacle and the temple, then through Jesus and his life. And now through you and I, through a church, through a fellowship of believers. He reveals his glory through us. His glory was portrayed in different ways too: a consuming fire, a cloud. Thunder, smoke, a brilliant light. These are all ways that, you know, we hear those words and we recall different stories, don't we, from the Bible, the ways that God revealed his glory to people. And, of course, God's glory is best seen in Jesus. He, the light of the world, illuminates God's nature. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that the sun, that's S-O-N, is the radiance of God's glory. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And in John chapter 1, familiar verses, we read that the Word became human and lived among us. It carries on. We saw his glory, a glory of grace and truth. So even though this sort of concept of glory is perhaps a little bit nebulous to us, a bit it's like seeing something in the mist. The Bible says a lot about it. It's there for us to understand. Just as it would be impossible for us to make the sun, S-U-N, this time, the sun shine any brighter by anything we do, so it is with God's glory. Yes, he reveals his glory through us, but it's not because of us that his glory is being revealed. We don't add anything to God's glory by our actions. God possesses it all already, just simply because he is God. But, the Bible says what we are to do about his glory, and I've tried to summarise it here, we're commanded to recognise his glory, to honour his glory, to declare his glory, to praise his glory, to reflect his glory, and live for his glory. If you've got nothing to do this afternoon, there's a short list to start on some of those things, and I've given you some of the references. Why do we do that? Well, simply because he deserves it. We owe him every honour we can possibly give. God made all things for his glory, and because of that, he deserves all the glory. When we fail to give God glory, or when we refuse to, well, I think that's what sin is at its root. And all sin, really, is about failing to give God glory that's due to him. It's loving something else more than God. It's rebellion. In different ways, well, we're united by that. We have all lived for our own glory and not for God's. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. On the other hand, Living for God's glory is the greatest achievement we can accomplish with our lives, and we're united by wanting to do that, by wanting to live for God's glory. That's why we've gathered here this morning. We want to live for God's glory. God says through the prophet Isaiah, They are my own people, and I've created them to bring me glory. So how do we bring glory to God is the next question, really. And there are many ways, and if I asked any of you now, you'd probably be able to give me a a list of ways that we can bring glory to God. Some of them are there on the screen. Some of them perhaps we've already done together this morning. Well, also, I think through our vision statement, we're summarising, if you like, those different actions. We're grouping them in different ways that bring glory to God in hopefully a concise and understandable way that each of us should be able to remember, really, four words we're asking you to remember. Growing, family, light, heartbeat. If you can remember those four words, I think you'll remember our vision statement. And it will remind us ways to live for the glory of God. This intended as a reminder of who we are as a church and what we're called to do. There's nothing new in it. There's nothing new and surprising. It all comes from the Bible. We are God's family, and we bring glory to him when we grow in our love for him and our support for one another. We're called to be a light to our community, shining the love of Christ to those around us. And we're called to be the heartbeat of our community too, bringing God's glory when we provide hope and encouragement to all who need it. So we're going to look a little bit more closely. The first part of our vision statement is about growing together as God's family. So Two different graphics there, growing and family. Of course, that's a lifelong journey, and one that we're all on together. All of us are growing, or should be, and all of us are family. As we grow in our faith, we learn to love God more and more we also learn to love each other more deeply. A couple of verses there for you. Proverbs 11. A life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. This is the message verse. And a God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. That's the stark choice that we have before us. Do you want a life that's like a stump, a dead life, or one that's like a flourishing tree? We should seek growth. If something's not growing, it's dead. And then thinking about family, the verse there from 1 Thessalonians. Therefore encourage one another and build each other just as in fact you are doing. Now there's a verse that it's impossible to obey in isolation. So if you're just by yourself, shut yourself away in a room or amongst, uh, you can't do that verse, can you? You can't encourage anyone. We can't build anyone else up. It's why we need one another. One of the best ways to, for us to grow together as God's family is to spend time together, of course. And that means things like attending church services, participating in a small group, praying together, simply being in each other's lives. When we spend time together, we get to know one another. We learn to support each other through difficult times. And we get to celebrate the good times too. Another way to grow together as God's family is to serve together. When we serve others, we're not only helping them, but we're also growing ourselves. We're learning to be more like Christ. We learn to put others before ourselves. We learn to work together as a team. We learn to rely on God's strength. As we grow together as God's family, we become more like Christ. We become more loving, more compassionate, more forgiving. We become more effective witnesses for Christ in our communities. To move on, the second part then of our vision statement is about being light and heartbeat in our community. This means being a positive force for good in our community. In shining the love of Christ to those around us, and it means providing hope and encouragement to those who need it. A couple more verses from Matthew five: "You are the light of the world." It starts, "Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." What's the other verse we would associate here? Well, "Don't hide your light under a bushel." It's the sort of simple way of putting it. And the other verse there, next to Heartbeat. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing. It. There are many ways, aren't there, for us to be light and heartbeat in our community. You could volunteer your time, your skills to help those around us in need. You could simply make donations to local charities. Clothing, time, money. We can make ourselves available to friends and neighbours. We as a church can offer our buildings, our facilities. We can simply be kind and compassionate to everyone we meet. We are called to be light and heartbeat in this community to make a difference, to make our community a better place. And when we do that, we're showing the love of Christ to those around us. This is not just theoretical. So I'm going to ask Gary to introduce us to some real-life examples and encouragements from here. Thank you, Gary.
0: Thank you, Matt. Can I invite um, Jenny, and Mags, and Bernard, and Mary? I'm so glad you've made it, Mary. (laughs) Come forward now, thank you. So we're gonna have a look at um, each of those four uh, key, key bits and that's why I've invited four people forward. So we're gonna start with um, uh, 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 growing and I've asked uh, Bernard just to, uh, to share with us a little testimony about uh, being on Welcome. So Bernard, thank you so much. You're one of the reasons that w- we're at um, HBC because of your Welcome on the team. So tell us a little bit about what it's, what it's like to be on welcome and what you've noticed about what God's doing in this place. Well, I've been on door now, I think, probably about eight, nine years now. And I've seen the number grow here now. And um, we used to average about 30. It's now gone up to 40 and 50 plus. This morning we've got 46 in we had 44 and then a couple, couple three weeks ago we had 56 in so i see God is working in this
2: place a
0: lot. And Bernard and how, does, how does that make you feel about um, being just a, a member of God's family? Well I've been coming now 15 years plus and I've heard that it's God working in this place now a lot. Thank you. Yeah, I move. See, I'm doing something new. Thank you, Bernard. Thank you. I'm going to ask Mags now to uh, to share a little bit about about family in this place.
3: Yeah. Um, we all need family. God bless me with a wonderful, wonderful family. And as I've grown-up, and you look for ways to express the love that you have, the overflow. Um, I have to say that you've all helped me do that. And I love that. I come here, open that door, I walk in, and my family awaits me. Um, anything, any problems, no big, nothing's too big, nothing's too small. Um, as an overflow of that, the churches um, sought to evangelise and reach out, in different ways um, we have lovely messy church which is indeed messy which is family and it brings joy to, my, joy to my heart to see the people coming in with their families they sit they play they stay they eat and they never seem to be in a hurry to go home now that is family and God God well the father Um, So, really basically there's that, we have the, um, in the summer, we have the holiday club, which once again is a different format. You bring your children, you leave your children, how marvellous is that? And we all know full well that their children are in a safe place, they're in a place that they're loved, um, and they know that they will be learning about Jesus, which is the bonus. and as Bernard said, through all this outreach, reach help spot, things that we've done, CAP, um, and the new projects that we're starting up. We are managing to reach the community. And people are coming. We're seeing that. God is actually, actually really, really providing the resource, providing the workers, and basically, we're growing and as outreach continues so will grow more so whatever you do know that you actually actually reflect the goodness of the lord people see that people will want that and people will come praise god
0: thank you magsa and we give god the glory in everything that we do because we are nothing without him but we are called to reach out into this community And beyond, in our activities and in our prayer life, in uh, and how we serve Him. Thank you, Max. Jenny, light.
4: Well, before I go down the town, I try and remember to pray and ask the Holy Spirit that I might meet the person He wants me to meet. Could be somebody who's struggling, or just needs somebody friendly to talk. Sometimes I find the phone ring and I'll get delayed and then I'll meet that special person. And God is with me and these people I meet I'll say to them, Have you got time to have a cup of tea? And we'll go in the local camp and have a cup of tea and carry on our chatting. That's special. Um, so I listen in the week to Dr. Michael Yusuf for half an hour. And he made this statement in the week, which I found very helpful. Faith is like a toothbrush. It has to be personal. It has to be used regularly. And you can't use anybody else's. <laughs> I <laughs> that, that, that was something you could say to a non-Christian or anybody. Yeah. And it's touchy enough to remember.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. That, uh, that's that's lovely. I love that toothbrush analogy. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that, no, I'm gonna use my own one. <laughs> 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 anyway.
2: Um so we're on the heartbeat. Um we're making a little noise are we making an echo I'm fine. Well, when I thought about sorry, mine is written, I'm afraid. Um, But when I thought about the church being the heartbeat of our community, I thought heartbeat, life and soul, true life, eternal life, the life given by God to those who trust in Jesus. We all have a story to tell, we can all make a difference in our community, albeit by practical service, prayerful service, or preferably combining the two. As God is our maker and life giver, I want to keep the vision of seeing God build his church in this place. Because to quote Proverbs 29, 18, without vision the people perish. And this church certainly has a vision. Praise God for that. And I want to keep looking up and going forward with our God. I want him to be our heartbeat and the center of all we do. I'm praying that God will add his blessing to each and every endeavour of this church.
0: Mary, thank you so much. Can we can we give these guys a round of applause?
1: just aware of the time. I'm just going to skip forward a bit. We are coming back to this. There we go. So before we close today, uh, I wanted us to, to look at a passage together in which I think these four different areas are all reflected. It happens to be one of my favourite passages anyway, uh, and that's because it continues to inspire me, in the same way it has done for well nearly all of my adult life. I think it's a passage that acts a bit like a a reset button for me, help me bring in my life back into line with God's will. And hopefully it can for you as well. There really is so much in Romans chapter 12, in the first 18 verses. If you've got your Bible with you, you might want to turn to it, uh, or it's going to be up here. And you'll see I'm highlighting different bits as we go through. Okay. So, just reading it together then. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. And see here how Paul is addressing fellow Christians. He's addressing them as family, isn't he? He's addressing them as family members, brothers and sisters. The letter he wrote, to put it very simply, he didn't even know some of the people he was writing to. Yet he had chose to address them as family because he understands, doesn't he, that we're all family when we call God our Father. That's what makes us family. So then he carries on. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's about spiritual growth there. When our minds are being transformed by God to become more Christ-like by his spirit, that's spiritual growth. He goes on, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Again, another mark of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, if you like, that follows growth. Being able to know what God's will is, is something that we can also attain, if we will grow in him. He carries on, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And again, I've highlighted that green because I think it's more evidence of the importance of growth. We need to know ourselves and know our own faith. None of us, of course, are perfect, so we can be honest with ourselves, And with others about what we need to work on, what we need to help, what we need help with, what aspects of our spiritual life we want to grow and develop. He carries on for each of us for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. There's family again. We are many, but we form one family. We're in this together. It's not a competition. It's not about rivalry. It's about respecting one another and our differences and recognising the value that we see in each other. It goes on, we have different gifts. I think that's about us being light, using our gifts, not for selfish gain, but to serve others. It goes on, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Each of us can be light wherever we find ourselves by following those simple verses. He carries on. There's a lot of colour here. Love must be sincere. (laughs) But what's a heart, a symbol for? It's for love. We serve our community out of love. Not duty or guilt, but because we want to love those around us in the same way that God does. That word, sincere, the story goes that in 17th century France, some sculptors sculptors used wax to disguise the faults in their craftsmanship. And you can imagine, can't you, a marble statue, where perhaps something's gone a bit wrong, there's a crack, or the stone wasn't so perfect. Well, they tried to disguise that by melting wax into those cracks. You can imagine that, it sort looks maybe the same sort of color. And then they'd try and sell that as a perfect piece of work. Well, people soon caught on to that. And so the test then became to pass a flame or a candle over the sculpture, first of all, to see if any of it started dripping away, and if something was found to not found to have no fault or no wax in it. The French word is sancerre. sans cer, s a n s and c e r e. Without wax is all it means. Without wax, that's where we get our English word sincere from. Without wax, our love must be sincere without faults, without covering up, without trying to disguise or pretend to be something we're not. Paul carries on. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Again, that's what family is about, isn't it? When we marry, when we see a wedding, we see promises to be devoted to one another. How does it go? For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. Devotion is meant to last. It's not fickle. And so too for us as a church family, we're called to be devoted to one another. You can use those same phrases, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. We will be there for one another. Through trial and tribulation, as well as good times and celebration. He goes on, honor one another above yourselves, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour. Do you remember the eagerness with which you wanted to grow and develop when you were a first Christian, a new, a baby Christian? Well, don't lose that, is what this passage says to us. Keep on wanting to grow closer to God. Even if you've been at it your whole life, there's still more to learn, to develop in, more faith to build. Serving the Lord, and then verse 12 be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Again, that's about us being light again, help whenever and however we can. Practice hospitality. Again, I see that as part of our heartbeat, it should just be who we are. We offer a warm welcome always to everyone who would walk through those doors. Everyone we find ourselves in conversation with. We should be hospitable. And that's towards not just those (laughs) who we like. That's what the everyone bit is about. Not just those we like. That's the challenging bit. And then it carries on. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Another example there of how we can be like salt or light in our community. Perhaps you've noticed that some people like only to be around people who are either one or the other, the mourning or the rejoicing, to use Paul's language. But to bring it perhaps more up to date, perhaps the friend who always likes to moan and be negative about everything, well, you might feel like actually you don't want to be there. Or you might think about the friend who doesn't know what to say to somebody else when they're going through a difficult time. So they don't, they don't hang around the people who are mourning because they don't know how to react or how to behave. Like, likewise, the negative people who don't like to be about those who are happy because you know, they always like to grumble and complain. We, as Christians, shouldn't belong to just one group or the other. We can get alongside and support or rejoice with all. We're not here to pretend that life is always great. It's realistic. There are highs and there are lows. And he carries on. Verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. the last verse here. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This one applies throughout, really, doesn't it? But I've marked it as being consistent with our heartbeat theme, there in red. We remain well connected with and able to serve our community when we do this, when we do that last line. We don't have to agree on everything, but we're called to live at peace with everyone, nonetheless. So as we come to a close, I've sort of grouped them there for those of you that like to see it that way instead of as we go through. How, you know, I've pulled together different verses from Romans 12, 1 to 18, how it ties up with our vision statement. Our vision, church's vision statement, is a reminder of who we are and what we're called to do. We are growing together as God's family. We're called to love and support one another. We're called to be a light in our community. Shining the love of Christ to those around us. And we're called to be the heartbeat of our community too. Providing hope and encouragement to all who need it. So let's commit together to living out our vision statement. So that we might bring glory to God. Remember that's where I started. That's what it's all for. That's what it's all about. Not us growing in number or being big and fancy as a church. No. We're not interested. We're interested in bringing glory to God through the lives of each one of us. Let's be light and heartbeat in our community. So take away one of these leaflets if you haven't already picked up one. It talks a little bit more about what what we stand for, why we believe. Read it, put it somewhere to help you remind you of how everything we do should fit in. For this. Let's pray together before we sing our closing song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace to every single one of us. Thank you for calling us to be your family. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be light and heartbeat in our community. We pray that you would help us to live out our vision statement. We pray that we would grow together in love and faith. And we pray that we would be a force for good in our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing together our closing song Be Thou My Witness.